Today's date is March 3rd, 2020. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we are here to give you all the saucy deets about everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, run you through the latest comic book news, the new comic book releases coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss the topic about the world of comics for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. So this is our second time recording the first 30 minutes. (laughs) So I apologize if our enthusiasm level is not as high as it should be because (laughs) I forgot to click record on the damn camera. Now, I still probably could have posted the podcast as an audio, but uh, but we want to screw over our YouTube audience as little as possible. So right, which uh, and by that we mean not at all. <laughs> I apologize if we don't go as in depth as we probably should be going on some of the stuff we talk about at the intro. But um, yeah, we're just sick of it. <laughs> We've been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, so apologies, but uh, we'll try to keep it as upbeat as possible. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with our show, um, we are a weekly po- comic book podcast where we. Talk about all these various things, running through news, talk about new releases, all that jazz. Um, we start the show off by discussing, you know, what we've been watching, reading, what have we been playing, you know, anything relating to the world of comics and nerddom, of course. Um, then we jump into the latest news items uh, and about the world of comics and comic book productions. Then we go forward and talk about our local comic books coming to your local comic book shops again please support your local comic book shops please do uh Mm. then we discuss our comic and variant comic covers of the week (gasps) not only do we do that we also hand out the prestigious nay (gasps) life-changing award for variant for cover and variant cover of the week. Of course. Uh, and then we go into Did the Content Match the Drapes, which is our kind of review of the internals of previous covers and variant covers of the week, if there are any. Basically, if we have the time to read the context of a cover of the week or variant cover of the week, we let you know, did the content match the drapes? Was the content on the inside just as glorious and stunning as the content on the outside? So please look forward to that. After we get through all that, we talk about a topic of discussion about the world of comics between the two of us and perhaps a guest or two uh, for your entertainment. Now, if it's a really, really long in the two show, we might skip the topic. We have skipped the topic a handful of times. Usually on episodes like this where it's a comeback episode after a long hiatus, we basically took a little winter break, uh, but uh, I got a new job. Emery got a new job. Um, so we have a much more regular schedule should be easier going forward. We kind of improve the studio a little bit. So we got a monitor so Emery can actually see everything, uh, you know, in live time, just like I can. And we can kind of keep track of everything together. And hopefully that makes the show run a little bit more smoothly for everybody out there watching and listening. There's various and sundry upgrades being added to this production, meager though it may be forward we will ever continue of course if you're unaware you can always find us on youtube on stitcher on spotify on itunes or whatever the apple equivalent is now uh podbean uh did i say spotify 
Uh, I think I'm you sure said Spotify. We're not on SoundCloud. Sorry, SoundCloud users, but that platform is terrible. Yeah. Uh, as you'd expect. is too high. Yeah, yeah. It's just too much work. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and then to maintain it, it's just it's it's just more too work than we can manage at this current time. If you time. can't upload a basic RSS feed, you, you shouldn't be in the business of podcasts. That's my thought. Uh, yeah. That's more for people trying to break in on the rap game yeah but we're we're on tons of platforms you know probably more than i know yeah. uh so be sure to look for those rate us rate well on those platforms if you would feel free to reach out and comment uh if you don't comment on the youtube page i probably won't see it but who knows sometimes i get the email notifications and i can respond and say thank you and all that great stuff so if you want to interact with us please go to the youtube channel you're much more likely to be able to reach out to us there and leave a comment uh if you want to talk about uh, the show uh you can also reach out to us at htb vids on twitter that's v-i-d-s for those of you unaware and then you can reach out to us on facebook facebook.com forward slash hit the books i'll probably make an instagram before too long but it, Instagram is so tedious. It is. It's a it's a time sink. Yeah. Um. So be sure to look out on those platforms, and you can of course send us uh, topics of discussion via email. Our email is hitthebooksvids v i d s at gmail dot com. Once again, that's hitthebooksvids at gmail dot com. All right. So all the basic stuff's over with. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, what you've been reading, what you've been watching, what you've been playing. What is going on in the life of Emery Saunders? Well, <laughs> uh, first and foremost, uh, the thing that I used to love most in this world is uh, very, very uh, progressively faster and faster, making me hated with everything in me. Um, wow. X-Men. Ooh. X-Men comics as it stands right now has done everything and continues to do everything in its power to turn what was the preeminent group of heroes into a fucking death cult <laughs> hold that thought uh i want to say thank you to heather reap before i forget again who has been supporting us on patreon uh did not want to forget you and of course your lovely husband jared reap who has also been contributing of course uh, so thank you, and if you would also like to contribute to the show and sustaining the show, help us sustain the show, <laughs> uh, you can uh, check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash hit the books. Haven't updated it in a while, uh, but we do honor all the award tiers and everything if you do uh, so choose to contribute at that level. Um, but I'm going to be updating that in the near future. Another thing I wanted to talk about real quick, just a piece of business. Uh, we are looking to do a comic book uh, movie master list. Right. <laughs> Starting from the oldest comic book movie we can find. So if there is a character or a story or a book or whatever that started as a comic book property and was made into a movie that we can attain <laughs> and uh, actually watch... We will be doing a review of it, hopefully in order, as long as I get a good list going. Uh, and I think I did. I, I found a good wiki article that seems to have everything I'll need. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of organizing it in numerical order. Um, so look forward to that. I think it's going to be really fun, really exciting. I wanted to do kind of like a mystery science theater type of watch-along thing. Uh, that might be fun, but unfortunately... 
Uh, there's oh, a lot of yeah. copyright issues with that, and YouTube will strike us in a heartbeat. Oh, especially yeah. since we're nobodies. <laughs> so, uh, We'd be very easy to take out. Uh, I don't want to anger the gods, the YouTube <laughs> gods, and uh, get struck down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, as much as I would love to do that. However, if there is another way to do that, by all means, people reach out to us. Let me know. Shoot us an email at hitthebooksvids uh, at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. If you got an idea for kind of streaming and watching something together live with the audience, that would be wonderful. I would love to do that. So um, feel free to check that out. It's coming down the pipeline in the very near future. We'll give you a heads up. So either on the episode or on social media, if not both, uh, we'll give you a heads up and let you know, hey, this is the upcoming Masterless movie review. If you can find it, track it down, watch it. If it's like on YouTube or something, I'll post it so you can watch along, whatever the case is. If it's like a really old property that's public now, you know, we'll try to make it so that you can view it or give you a recommended source if we can. All right. So look forward to that. Back to Jonathan Hickman, Saving the X-Men. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? Mention Jonathan Hickman's name in the same (laughs) breath as something that desperately needs to happen. Someone needs to save the X-Men from Jonathan Hickman. I thought that was what uh, Egg was doing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is he not saving the X-Men? Gold Balls (laughs) (laughs) is not only not saving the X-Men... He and his cadre of mutants that he's connected to called the Five now. Um, All they're doing is making clones. They're just making souped up clones that Professor X uh, downloads their mind brain data back into. So is this like uh, episode two bad? This is episode eight bad. Oh, that's about as bad as you can get. (laughs) No, I'll take it a step further. It's episode nine bad. Haven't seen it, won't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Johnson ruined it for me. I no longer enjoy Star Wars because of him. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. Maybe I'm being overly bitter. I don't think so. I know people defend that movie, but there's no reason to. Just stop. It's bad. It's a bad movie. It's a bad story. It's a very bad story. And they ruined good characters. They ruined good plot lines. They ruined a lot of things. Yeah. Having a series of red herrings just play out over the course of uh, two and a half hours is not... uh, That doesn't make a good story on its own. But did it subvert your expectations? (laughs) Uh, they're subverting expectations, and then there's systematically telling me that having expectations at all is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Subverting quality, maybe. (sighs) Not in the film work. Film work was great. I mean, it looked pretty. It was stupid. It sounded pretty. Looked pretty. It was really dumb. Yeah, it was really really goddamn stupid. Really bad. Really dumb. Um... But yeah, sorry, we always get on this tangent yeah, at one we, point Yeah, or we do. And like anything even remotely related to Star Wars, and we just have, <laughs> we have to go out of our way to reiterate, 
Episode 8 is fucking stupid. I get to say that Episode 9 is really fucking stupid. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, Yeah. Please do. <laughs> While you're at it, spread the word. <laughs> um, yeah. Turning the X-Men into a goddamn death cult. Uh, it turns out it uh, very quickly sets the world against you. And almost rightly so. Like, on its face, immediately. Well, you know, a death cult could do that from time to time. Uh, yeah. Why can't they be like the good cults that are just sexual? Where are all the good sex cults? Oh, wait. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, behold the cuckery that is going on. Uh, if if you get cucked in one body and then you sacrifice yourself to apocalypse and get revived, do you remember the, the cuckening that happened before you were sacrificed to apocalypse? Given the frequency at which Professor Charles Xavier downloads all of your mind-brain data, which would mean all of your <laughs> memories and information that you have as a result of you living your life. Well, I guess it all depends at which point you die. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. It's like... It, Xavier's seen some shit. You gotta imagine, <laughs> he's probably viewing all of this in some way shape or form right imagine regularly downloading the data which would include any and all escapades sexual or otherwise Hot. that would have to have happened for every single mutant that has managed to make the stupid decision of joining this fucking death cult on the living island of Krakoa. Well, he can't feel anything from the waist down, so let the man live. Yeah, about that. Oh! <laughs> he has his legs again. Oh. He can walk. Well, that's just The lame. chair is gone. Man. The, like, the thing... There's got to be some scabbing going on then. <sighs> Oof. Unless, he, Unless has... he was reborn by fucking gold balls. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, okay, so... Uh, instead of having the constant will-they-won't-they they between uh, Scott and Gene, I mean, Gene uh, and Wolverine, I mean, uh, Scott and Wolverine, I mean... <clears throat> They're just now, they're all together. They're all together. They're just a triple is what I'm going to call them. <laughs> you know, polyamory is a thing. Uh, <clears throat> sure. I, uh, I, I wouldn't imagine it between those two, but, you know. We're, we're literally a step away from uh, Gene being the one who's getting cucked. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, buddy. <laughs> hey, bub. <laughs> It's a nice cock you got there, bub. <laughs> oh, I mean, and he he literally said as much in uh, X Men number seven, which just came out like last well, week. That's what Cyclops gets for looking like a big blue dick. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like it is what it is until it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody please reboot the series because, like, look, I get it. 
We're trying to be progressive, and I personally have nothing against the LGBTQIA plus community. Does it? Is there a P in there? I, I think we're a little gun shy on adding the P, given the <laughs> is there possibilities. A C in there? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> this could get dangerous. Um, we apologize to anybody we're offending. But, you know, it yeah. happens. Yeah. Sorry. Eh. We love you all. It's okay. Yeah. We're not kink shaming. Uh, we're just saying this book is dumb. We're just saying this book is really fucking dumb. Uh, as someone who has absolutely nothing against anyone who isn't a heterosexual... Um, if I've said it before, I'll say it again and 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 again. If you're gonna do something like this in a comic book, make a new character. Or in this case, characters. Yeah, a nice little song going there for a moment. <laughs> I enjoy that. But yes, we talk about this all the time. Yes, we do. We beg these companies to make new characters instead of rewriting or reworking existing characters, you know, to suit the needs of, you know, a progressive ideal universe in these comic book worlds. There's there's other ways of going about it that's much more creative and much more that will have much more staying power and longevity, I think. DC tried it a little bit. They did. With the post-Dark Knight's Metal universe where they were introducing the new era of DC heroes. Uh, there was a few misses in there, like Damage, not a good book. Sorry mm -hmm. to any of the creators <laughs> that worked on it. It just wasn't good, and su <laughs> surprisingly. And I think it's because he was way overworked at the time because he was putting out covers and books and everything everywhere. And yeah. In addition to being one of the lead you know, officers of the DC brand. Um, and of course, Image is there too. So, yeah. Uh, Jim Lee put out The Immortal Men, which was not good. Do mm -hmm. not recommend. The artwork was really bad. You know, I love Jim Lee's artwork. So, it was uh, especially sad for me to read that book and just see it be completely incoherent and the artwork just be really rushed and really poor. Um, and it was clear that he just didn't have the time to bother with it. So, it got delayed several times, and yeah. so it's just it, not good. But there were a handful of <laughs> of characters that were very good. The problem was they were Marvel ripoffs. <laughs> uh, damage was basically the Hulk. Um, you had the Terrifics, which was basically the Fantastic Four. Oh, um, yeah, almost but, beat for beat. <laughs> uh, Silencer was pretty original, I'd say. As, Silencer was is a really the good book. Original, yeah. The, like the, the one original that came out of that. Yeah, the Terrifics was a really great book, really fun book. Um, and it, I always love seeing Mr. Terrific get to do something because uh, I think he's a really cool character. I just think he has such a goofy, campy name that he can never do anything. Yeah. I really he's... wish they would just rename him. Obviously, you can't call him Mr. T because Mr. T is somebody <laughs> else. You know, you can't call the A-team in. Uh, it's the A-team men. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the Terrifics are driving around in a... You know, an old Chevy van or whatever it was they were driving. <laughs> a, a very conspicuously black with a one single red line <laughs> going across it. Um, 
But it, it was a really good book, really great artwork, really great character work. Silencer was really great. I wasn't a fan of John Romita Jr.'s art, but that's just because I don't like his style. You mean right angles for everything? Everything's boxy. You can't (laughs) tell who is who because they all look exactly the same. Um, Yeah. But the the story writing was really excellent. Really enjoyed that book. Uh, Another book I really enjoyed, but again, had some flaws, was Sideways. Sideways had incredible artwork. It did. Great characters, great writing. But unfortunately, the name was so stupid, it didn't have a chance, you know. The character kind of looked like Spider-Man and kind of acted like Nightcrawler as far as its powers go. So it was, again, just Marvel ripoff stuff. Yeah. But it worked. It was good. Yeah. Um, it was very well told. It's just like a name can very quickly sink an idea. Yeah. Then there, we had uh, Brimstone, which was really cool, uh, especially for me, and it's kind of like a Ghost Rider-ish type yeah. of story. Um, but set in Appalachia, very rural area. Uh, really, really cool uh, story uh, kind of integrated into that. Really cool family dynamics that you don't normally see, environments you don't really see normally in comics. Mostly, Most comics are focused in some kind of city or an outer space, somewhere grand, yeah. you know, like a New York City or an equivalent or an L.A. or an equivalent or a Chicago or an yeah. equivalent, whatever the yeah. case is. Something that could easily feel fantastical with no... Uh... Uh, first-hand knowledge of these places. Yeah, but uh, it was really refreshing to read that book, and I really enjoyed it. Um, really wish those books had a little bit more life to them, because I, I feel like they got canceled before they really had a chance, which is shocking, you know, because they do that to everybody that they try. You know, yeah. they don't give them a leg to stand on, and then they expect them to just blow up, which rarely happens nowadays, you know, with the market being what it is. Yeah, um, I, I like Brimstone enough to where... There's part of me that wishes Marvel would just buy that character out from under them. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I, I think I speak for any Ghost Rider fan when I say, we are starved for a regular, like a regularly occurring, regularly releasing Ghost Rider book. Yeah. As opposed to uh, like some new weird thing where we're going to tie the Ghost Rider into it, kind of, and uh, like... Yeah, let's hope it works and we'll try to we'll keep we're going to keep trying to push that character yeah. somehow. But I mean it's it's basically a year year and a half, maybe 2 years old. I can't remember how long it's been. Yeah. Um but really good initiative introduces new very diverse characters, you know, racially diverse, sexually diverse, uh, you know, age diverse. You know, it, it yeah. fluctuated from very young all the way to very, very old. Yeah. With the immortal men, of course, you know. <laughs> um, there was just a lot of good stuff there um, that I, I feel like a lot of people probably missed. And I, it kind of bums me out because there's a lot of great characters and a lot of good storytelling and a lot of hard work that these creators put into these characters, you know, despite some of them kind of being ripoffs of existing franchises, which yeah. may have been the intent. It seemed like the Terrifics especially, that was very clearly the intent. They were kind of playing into it and, you know, kind of winking at the audience along the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other books m- probably weren't as self-aware, but it was obvious that was the goal. Yeah. Um, the, the Terrifics is a book that definitely knew how to get away with that oh man that book is so fun that is <laughs> in recent memory that's probably one of the most fun titles usually i like the darker more serious titles that are a little bit more grounded but that book was just delightful <laughs> <laughs> i i enjoyed that book so much 
you know. Yeah, that was a good book. Yeah. So, uh, as Emery was saying, create new characters, please. Don't please. don't feel the need to force these things into existing characters where they just don't necessarily work, and you're just going to alienate your audience instead of, uh, you know, inviting more new players to the table. Right. Uh, I mean. I again, I have nothing against the the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, I am in favor of more representation of people from that background. Uh, I would say, along with making a new character, uh, given that. Uh, comic books lends itself to stories about superheroes more than anything them being a superhero and what makes them a superhero should be the focus liven it up by all means with uh, what goes on in their personal life but when personally when I purchase a comic book no matter who the character is I am I am purchasing that comic book under the idea that I am going to read a story about what makes that person a hero, what makes that person larger than life, what makes that character worth reading. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully at some point they get the message, but it's it's always disappointing that they just don't even try. Yeah. But enough about Cyclops and Wolverine. Uh, I'm going to... You gonna be okay, buddy? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I read... A, that, X-Men 7, when it's not uh, alluding to uh, Cyclops trying to put it in Wolverine or the other way around. Hot. <laughs> uh, it is very clearly on its face trying to... Install a new religion specific to mutants by way of enacting the death part of death cult by making all of these mutants... Okay, to preface this situation, this really stupid fucking situation, we have to go into uh, one of the parts of the history of mutants that, well, if I was a mutant, then like even the thought of this happening would scare the shit out of me. Hmm. The House of M storyline. Great. And the subsequent three words spoken by one Scarlet Witch. No more mutants. Uh, imagine something like that being told around a campfire as something equivalent to a fucking ghost story. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's disappointing. Uh, yeah. Imagine having that be the premise and basis for installing a gladiatorial deathmatch between... One depowered mutant, uh, in this case, it's one of the Guthries. Um, if anyone here is familiar with uh, any of the family from the 
of that particular family, of which one of them is one of the new mutants. Cannonball comes from this family. Um, So in this instance, the character Arrow, uh, I think her name is Maggie Guthrie of the Guthrie family, Uh, turns out uh, during the No More Mutants situation, uh, she was one of the many, uh, many, many, many mutants that woke up depowered. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know what's not fun? Reading a story about this girl who willingly, as a depowered mutant, engages in deadly one-on-one combat with the intention of losing and dying on their feet to Apocalypse by sword. It's pretty metal. And I say gladiatorial because this is done in public. Public display. There are mutants literally sitting in a gladiatorial arena watching this happen. Because, you know, why not? Here's my question. There's pretty much every famous mutant you can imagine on this little island because of the story preference. Uh, uh, yeah, we have uh, uh, every mutant hero and like increasingly every mutant villain. And yet nobody seems to have a problem with any of this. I mean, you get a crowd of like 100 people together. You're going to have naysayers in there. Oh, yeah. No matter what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You could be doing charity work for the greatest cause there has ever been. Oh, yeah. And there will be one guy going, this is really necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't understand how everybody is just totally on board with this message. Everybody's totally on board with what's going on. Okay. There's getting a large group of people together which mind you the entire premise that this is based on was we're going to reboot these guys from a point in which didn't we already do having them all on one island and then that island got nuke attacked or I like mean, giant sentinel attacked or something it would be very easy yeah but you know. Yeah, no, we're going to do the whole island thing again. This time we're going to do it on a living island because the island itself is also a mutant. I don't know how we're quantifying that, but fucking okay. <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah. Uh, okay, there's having an entire nation worth of mutants in which, yeah, there's going to be disagreements. And then there's having Professor X, who at this point is basically going full Magneto, with Magneto, and Apocalypse, and Mr. Sinister. Yeah, it's not a good look. And the Hellfire Club. Yeah, not a good look. And in the latest issue of uh, Wolverine, we're adding a mega fucking red to this shit. Why not? 
because that's a fucking good idea. Yeah. So, uh, recommend yes or no. How dare you <laughs> even think that I would recommend this shit? And let me let me be very clear. Let me be clear. <laughs> Don't <This> start. <laughs> it's a bad day. Mm-mm. Don't do it. <laughs> Ooh. God, I could go on for days about that. Um, <clears throat> this book is shit. This book. This book. How's sug- the artwork? Uh, uh, okay, the artwork is okay. Okay. The, the artwork is actually. You got something. The artwork is actually kind of good in some spots. All right. That's a win. Uh, Yeah. Remember, books are more than just writing. Uh, yeah, books are Although more... writing can pretty much destroy everything. <laughs> yeah. It's a very well illustrated... Last Jedi uh, is a great example of that. You're not wrong. <laughs> it, it's a very well illustrated story of why literally no one should ever want to be an- like literally any one of these mutants. And when they're not being a death cult, they're technically a sex cult too because Hot. like... This island has three laws, one of which is make more mutants. Hot. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> Woo. And, Fire and, in my loins. And mind you, this is all, all of this, this whole like death cult part, it, it's all a backdrop to the mutant that we've heard from the least in this entire book. Nightcrawler. Kurt Wagner, the incredible Nightcrawler, the uh, preeminent Catholic of the Marvel Universe, outside of Daredevil. This book is a prelude to him coming to the conclusion that he needs to make a new religion. Because why not? Because fucking why not? <laughs> is like we, we've come up with a five-person plan to completely eliminate the efficacy of death. So why not uh, make a new religion now that death has no power over them? Sounds like a plan to me. I mean, we're only a few issues in and we've already resurrected Charles Xavier once. Uh, yeah. Uh, One of the weirdest things about this, and I didn't mention this the first run through that we did when I was talking about this, is that uh, they're introducing the idea of this thing called the wills, in which people are stating in their last will and testament that they want to be reborn in a copy of someone else's body with someone else's powers. Or maybe uh, a weird <laughs> mix of other people's powers into one body. It's like, it's, what? What? <laughs> I remember a time. It's getting a little convoluted for me. Uh, it's getting a, it's getting a whole lot stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we still talking about it? <laughs> We're still talking about it because I think it, like every time they come up with an issue that further drives 
home their stupidity, I have to go on a tirade and say, uh, <laughs> "Why are you still reading it?" <sighs> I'm reading it so that I can continue to point out reasons why people who like it <laughs> are stupid. So salty. I am so salty. Yeah. It's like a, it's, I, I hope you got the number of that salt truck that I drove in on. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll need it. Yeah. Um, it's dumb. It's bad. It's a, a, a. It's well drawn. Good art. Good job. Good art. Who's the Good. artist? Do you know? Uh no, I, I no, haven't really w. been tracking. Shame the on you. Shame on me. Shame on them <laughs> for putting forward this story. How uh, dare you enable the story? In, in, enabling With a story art. in which here's the thing that it will always and forever chap my ass about this run. They are putting their mutant identity and their powers as more important than the sanctity of life. Got you talking about it. Uh, yeah. So maybe that was his goal. Uh, uh, maybe. He's creating discussion. Yeah, uh, a discussion about... Uh, no one wh- knows what it means, but oh. it's provocative. Like, what is more important? Uh, be- like, having your powers being, like, the version of yourself that uh, you were born? Or should life, in all its forms... Be something that we fight to preserve instead of, like, dropping the body that we've got so that we can be reborn into the body that we want. Yeah. It's weird. It's, not not a fan, necessarily. I it, think it, it, I, I like aspects of the big picture ideas that, that are at play there, but I think they're just being executed terribly. Like, this should... I feel like this should be a much more small story than it is. It should be isolated to like a group of mutants, a smaller group of mutants, not the entirety of <laughs> X-Men lore, you know, being invested in some way shape or form. Right. Uh, it would be more of an easy execution and a well-done execution if it was just like a group that actually did form a, a mutant religion and a cult and did have this ability whether it's because of one mutant or because of you know, something other than Xavier selling out all of his morals to do this, you know. There's other ways of doing this that don't need any of the the main X-Men. Again, maybe create new characters. Why not? Yeah. Or, you know, if you're going to use old characters, use ones that make sense for the premise, you know. That's what I'm picking up from it. Mm. <clears throat> there, there were some good-looking covers, though. I don't know. Yeah. And I could go into why are we having random panels of Apocalypse torturing someone. I could go into uh, why are we having crossovers where we're illustrating that to the X-Men, it's more important that they keep this new mutant that they have on their island than letting that child go back to their parents. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. What the actual fuck? <laughs> I have a guys. Feeling, I have a feeling we're gonna hear a lot more about this in the future. Ah, uh, as we should, because for fuck's sake, the X Men were supposed to be heroes, and now they are, as I mentioned before, inching 
I wouldn't say inching at this point. They are marathon. That they're marathon running, <laughs> all the way to being full on villains. That's good. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what God. Else, what else have you been reading and watching and doing? Uh, I watch Birds of Prey. Oh no! Yeah. What are you doing? Don't do that. I told you not to support that movie. Uh, you did. It was born out of Suicide Squad. There's nothing good that can possibly be born out of that movie. And my decision was born out of a desire for pure Schadenfreude. How dare you? Look, you I need, you need to control your Schadenfreude between <laughs> reading this X Men book that you obviously hate <laughs> and going to see Birds of Prey. You are just making yourself miserable. I, I am. And don't you worry about your mental health <laughs> even a little? <laughs> uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not going to see it on principle because I don't want to support this universe or anything that was born out of Suicide Squad, the movie. Uh, and James Gunn, I love James Gunn, but man, does he have a task in front of him. I do not does. envy him nor his position. Eh. If like if there's anyone that could pull off this absolutely poorly executed like first route and turning it in like turning in a sequel that's actually worth a damn, it would be James Gunn. Yeah, but don't make it a sequel. Just reboot. I think that's why they're calling it, or at least I hope that's why they're calling it, the Suicide Squad. Much less confusing. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, because we're not going to review this until our master list requires us to review this, because I'm not going to see it, Yeah. why don't you go ahead and give us a quick review? No spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, identity politics aplenty. Uh, like, we're all about girl power. Um, Great. Uh, we're turning... Does it make sense, at least? No... As uh, like the basic idea, I'm is... still angry that there's a Birds of Prey movie, live action, without Batgirl. Yeah, about that. There is no Batgirl, but there technically is. Technically, the character Cassandra Kane was at one point in the comics a version of Batgirl. That being said, Batgirl... That it, is such a cop-out. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> it definitely, like 100% cop-out. Uh, in any and all of the ways that matter, Batgirl is not in this Birds of Prey film. Then again, this Birds of Prey film, as the marketing team quickly figured out, should have just been called Harley Quinn. <laughs> I mean, it fucking looked like a Harley Quinn movie. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just... The glorious, fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. Or of one Harley Quinn. Of one Harley Quinn, God. because... <laughs> who who marketed this? <laughs> like, You should all be fired. Literally all of them should be fired. What are you doing? Uh, being stupid. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, when... The movie wasn't trying to completely shove down my throat the concept of all men are terrible, all women are great. Um, 
it went out of its way to try to, at least with Harley Quinn in particular, uh, suspend my, or try to ask me, not ask me, demand that I suspend my disbelief when it comes to uh, hand-to-hand combat, when it comes to uh, very large men versus uh, women as small as Margot Robbie. But she's crazy. But she's crazy. Crazy good. <laughs> when she, when they weren't fucking up her look, fucking up a story, and fucking up all of the different representations of this character, there was one character that looked like it could have been cool, and it was Huntress. Hey. Huntress is cool. Huntress is cool for all of like five minutes. Oh, <laughs> that's a bummer. It's like the one character that I would have wanted an entire movie about. There's like, oh, she's she's kind of in here, but then what a waste. You know, we're we're gonna focus on Black Canary, who can maybe do the canary cry once and then passes out immediately. That's useful. Because <laughs> that empowers women to have your most powerful character in the group <laughs> completely disabled after one scream. Good move, girl power. You fucking idiots! It's a the real fucking big big brain move on DC's part. Like Black Canary is probably the most badass single character in the DC universe, in my opinion. Because she is just a top-notch martial artist who can fuck anybody up and hand-to-hand combat. It's like, that's literally one of her, like, signature traits is that she is the one of the single greatest hand-to-hand combatants in all of DC. And then her, her, you know, power, which is the, the Black Canary Cry, is just, like outrageously op like oh yeah it can paralyze superman of all people (laughs) by how powerful and damaging it is like she can yell so hard superman is stopped in his tracks like that's a fucking incredible ability if you can stop (laughs) superman the most op character in all of comic books history uh so yeah it's it's ridiculous if that's what you're describing is completely uh, true. Uh, uh, and I suspect it is. <laughs> so, and, and guess what? Cassandra Kane, She's the MacGuffin. <laughs> it's like she's literally there as a plot device because she is the thing that like she like she's uh she's a target for capture. She becomes a target for Harley Quinn, and Harley Quinn is, like, the the story is about her trying to emancipate herself by doing this one job, and the entire, like, thrust of the, of the story is, like, what is she like when she doesn't have the Joker there? Or is everyone going to try to take a piece of her because she doesn't have her man around? <laughs> okay. It's terrible. I don't know. It's stupid. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's bad. Reviews have been fairly mixed across the board. If you go to some sites, they say it's good, not great. And if you go to other sites, they say it's 
uh, it's bad, but it's not as bad as it could have been. So uh, I'm assuming somewhere in the bottom middle and based on Suicide Squad alone. It's awful. Don't do it. Don't do it. How how can you go from Joker to fucking this? How can <laughs> how can this movie get like eighty, almost ninety million dollars worth of funding plus promotion, which is probably double that? Uh, and then Joker can get like twenty mil to make a fucking movie plus promotion, <laughs> and one went over a billion. The other did not. Yeah. Spoiler uh, for the news. Hilariously, Joker. Starring Joaquin, uh, Oscar Award winning Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, it's official now. Yeah. He deserved it too. You goddamn right he did. I haven't seen Parasite yet, but I'm not sure if that was the, the best movie Picture. to give it to. I've, yeah. heard, I've heard some mi- mixed reviews on it. I've heard it's good, but I haven't heard it's great. Yeah. We'll see. I'll yeah. watch it. At some point. Uh, I think they had the weird idea of oh this movie is like uh we, we're not sure about this one we're gonna coordinate off and we're gonna... well they tried to kill it they yeah, actively they, they, tried to kill it by they, they, underfunding it they, they they tried to kill it they tried to coordinate off uh so it'll, like coordinate off where it won't hurt anyone and it'll under the, they thought it would underperform proceeds to make a billion dollars without being released in china it was banned in China, so they didn't release it, which is the biggest movie market on the planet right now. It made a billion without China. That's incredible. Imagine what it would have made with China. Oh, my fucking God. Holy shit. It's no fucking wonder they want to redo an entire DC universe in that universe. Yeah. Oh, ooh. please do. Oh, please. Although I would hate to see Shazam go goodbye. I do enjoy Shazam. And I am looking forward to Shazam 2. Delightful movie. Go see it. Shazam 2 actual electric boogaloo. (laughs) It it could definitely be shoehorned in. I think he can. I mean, it won't be in the same universe. There's no way. Technically, Shazam has the power to punch so hard and fast that he opens portals. Let's not do that. <laughs> Please. Look, I'm just saying, I want him in there. Don't give these fucking cokeheads ideas. <laughs> Everybody knows that the DC producers are all fucking cokeheads. They have no idea what they're doing. All right? Look, Don't give them ideas. Look, I'm They'll just... They'll listen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> You put you, you you take all of the good and you put the good together. I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. I don't know. I kind of think what they're doing right now isn't the worst plan in the world where they're kind of keeping some of the good things from the old universe and mixing them up with delightful new things like Shazam mm-hmm. and then having kind of a separate kind of more real, you know, perhaps DC Black Label style of movie. Which is, I think, a good idea if they stick to it. Folks. Oh my god, a DC Black Label movie! Ooh, give it to me! Ooh, give it to me! Ooh, give it to me! <laughs> uh, so, well, that's good. Don't see uh, Birds of Prey, according to Emery. Not good. No. Um, not yet. surprised. Yeah, that's not gonna uh, see it. 
That's uh, pretty much it for me. I did see Sonic the Hedgehog, though. I will get to that eventually. Ooh, I also saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, Sega. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've finally finished my run of uh, Harleen, which is the DC Black label Harley Quinn book. Speaking Ooh. of Harley Quinn. That was done by Stepan Sajic, who is by far my favorite favorite artists on the planet right now Stepan uh, uh, he did all the artwork for it and wrote it uh he is a uh, one of my favorite character uh creators uh in the market he creates these very lively character dynamics that are just so fun to read and they feel genuine. They don't feel like super artificial and forced or anything. You know, he'll get goofy a little bit from time to time. And if yeah. you're familiar with Stepan Sajic's work, you know, <laughs> there's a little bit of sauce in there from time oh, to time. He, he's one of these. He, he, I would say he's one of the sauciest artists out there. He likes some. He likes himself some sauce. Oh yeah, but it's always tastefully done. Uh, which I do appreciate and I really love. Uh, the artwork in the book is outstanding, really great. He doesn't cut corners. The inside is just as good as the outside. In fact, there's this panel with Poison Ivy, which is by far my favorite rendering of Poison Ivy ever. It's just a, a single, almost full-page panel of Poison Ivy kind of emerging from a force, like kind of stereotypical Poison Ivy stuff. But man, it is just beautifully drawn, beautifully colored, just incredible uh just imagery and context really really enjoyed it um if you're looking for something that's playful and goofy like a harley quinn book usually is this is not for you this is a very character driven story driven uh narrative based book with gorgeous artwork it's more about the human character of harleen quinzel uh uh a PhD who is trying to earn her stripes and kind of earn her fame, uh, taking on this Arkham Asylum and their inmates and trying to build, uh, you know, kind of this profile that can be used to kind of habilitate, you know, these people that are suffering from severe mental illnesses. And, you know, there's human aspects to her that are kind of goofy, kind of fun. You do kind of see that little twinge of, you know, the crazy Harley Quinn and, and the roots of her character. So there's always that seed kind of in there. And then you get to kind of see how her interactions with the staff, how her interactions with uh, the inmates, how her interactions with the Joker specifically, obviously, uh, kind of cause that seed to kind of emerge in one way or another. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the book. Uh, it's not my favorite book by Stepan Sajic by any means. I, th I think his Aquaman run was awesome. Um, you know, his stuff with Sunstone is, you know, as sexual as it is. It's mm -hmm. a very fun, well-written book with uh, really fun character dynamics and everything. Um, but this is this is an excellent book and a great addition to the the DC Black Label books. You know, really, generally speaking, the DC Black Label books have been very good. I, there hasn't really been a terrible one. There's been some kind of eh ones, but not really a bad one. So. Great on DC, DC Black Label, great books, really enjoying it. I know you have been recommending the question very oh, strongly to me. yes. I need to read that one. There's some other ones like Batman Damned, which is famous for being the, the bat dick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a book that is will forever be known as being the first reveal of Bruce Wayne's flaccid penis for literally no story context reason. Just 
put the panel in there for no reason at all. Quick, Robin, get your bat lube. <laughs> God. Uh, it's so, and it's an adult book, too, so it's like extra weird and creepy. Oh, no. And then Harley tries to kind of rape him at one point. It's just... It's what? A, yeah. It's a very weird book, and I don't recommend it. Oh, my uh, God. Artwork is very cool. What they were trying to shoot for is kind of cool, but uh, it, was just, it just didn't work in the end. But... Um, that's that was a great book the other book i've been reading is lock and key i've been kind of getting back into it because netflix has released its lock and key that got dropped by hulu and it got picked up by netflix netflix Ah. reproduced it and remade it and everything and i've heard a lot of good things so i'm really looking forward to watching it but i wanted to refresh my memory by rereading uh the lock and key books and kind of catching back up with the story because i didn't finish it just because i got busy but uh, i'm getting back into it remembering everything man that's a wonderful book I highly recommend it to anybody out there. There are some adult things to it and as far as like blood and gore and stuff, but that's not the focus at all. The focus is actually a very fun, story-driven uh, kind of fantastical environment with a very, very ominous villain. So it's very, oh. very well executed. Really, really hope that the show is great because the book is outstanding. So that's pretty much all I've been reading. I got to, now that we're all set up and my new job is all situated and everything i'm going to be jumping back into comics very strongly here so yeah. you know world's greatest comics uh laughing ogre you're probably going to see a lot more of me oh uh, yeah in the near future of course um but who knows our master list might keep me a little busy we'll see who knows uh, we also have some other ideas related to master list ideas uh but we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that and see how this goes as far as time management goes but uh yeah should be fun all right. Well, I think this is a good time to jump into the news. What do we have in the news today? So, uh, first thing, we already kind of touched base on these things, but I wanted to touch base on uh, the movie grosses, the kind of surprising movie grosses of the recent comic book slash yeah. nerd culture films. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy. <laughs> The reason being because Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, <laughs> God, what a terrible title. <laughs> uh, that, that marketing department just needs ad- absolutely fired. All of them. Just terrible. That I, I got to say that title is about as much word vomit as the frames in the movie were damn near unicorn vomit. Wow. Um, so this movie's been out, as the time we're recording this, uh, just under, just, just shy under a month. Um, obviously, full worldwide release, including China. Um, however, the movie has only grossed about 188, uh, almost 189 million worldwide. Now, I don't ever wish for anybody to not succeed. You know, if this movie was great, I'd be all about it. But from what I'm hearing, it kind of met my expectations. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't going to support it just out of principle because of the previous movie that preceded this. I just knew this is not something I wanted to support in my comic book media. So I chose not to support it. Um, but they had a budget of $85 million, And you can probably double that total uh, for um, promotion. Although they promoted the fuck out of this movie. So probably more yeah, than that. Yeah, they did. I mean, they changed every image on every property to some Harley Quinn themed thing. They had a million commercials going on YouTube and on TV and everything else. 
So they pushed it hard, and then they had to change the names in the theater because people didn't know what the hell they were going to. Uh, and they had to make Harley Quinn the first thing you see at the movie theaters because people were so confused. Um, like, go see Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> it's just so bad. <laughs> it's it, it's terrible. And then they really shot themselves in the foot by making it an R-rated film, which, you know... If it was necessary, by all means, but I have a strong suspicion that that was not necessary. Am I correct? Uh, there are like a couple of ways in which it like it necessitated an R rating for the story. Like yeah. it really needed it. Yeah. Okay. I'll trust uh, you. I, I would say, though, that this movie probably would have benefited from... Toning the story down a little bit so that, you know, they could afford to have kids watch. I, 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 you know what? I'm going to take that back. I would never, I would (laughs) never, even if they toned this movie all the way down, I would never subject anyone (laughs) to that kind of visual assault. What a 180. Yeah, no, no. Fuck this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, clearly it's a failure. It's a production failure. Um, I'm sure it's breaking even or getting close to breaking even, but nobody's making a bundle of money on this film. Um, and I'm sure the producers and directors and everybody's disappointed. Again, I'm not relishing in their failure, but I am kind of happy that people voted with their wallet and didn't pursue this, whether it was because of the bad marketing or because, you know, it was born from such a bad movie. I don't care. (laughs) I'm just happy that something was shown to them with Joker making over a billion dollars without China and this movie not even breaking 200 million so far after a month uh, without China. So makes me feel like maybe the audience is catching up a little bit to you know, how we enforce our quality standards for these movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on another note, just to give it some kind of corresponding, you know, um, comparisons, Sonic the Hedgehog, which is absolutely a nerd movie. Um, absolutely. Came out. Uh, it's been out a week less than Harley Quinn, 18 days. Um, but it has by far surpassed Harley Quinn. By almost a hundred million dollars, uh, sitting at uh, two hundred sixty-seven million dollars worldwide, as a movie that had a budget of about the same eighty-five million, um, and had a much bigger opening with fifty-eight million. Um, so really impressive for a a video game movie, which nobody expects anything of. Yeah. Um, but the movies, you know, we both saw it. You know, it's fun. It's a fun. I take my kids to it any day, hundred percent. I fucking love this movie. Oh my <laughs> god! I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, I wouldn't say it's a great movie just because there are slow moments. And honestly, uh, yeah. the beginning of the movie is set in the Sonic world, the kind of CG beautiful iconic sonic world classic green hills i actually don't like that they stayed in the real world so long because yeah that kind of bummed me out because the intro is so cool and so impressive that i was like man just fucking stay there it it was so (laughs) it it was so well done i think while this movie 
could have benefited from like spending more time there. I think the sequel of which after making this much money, I, they're definitely going to get a sequel. I, I hope. Yeah. I, I think the sequel will actually benefit from uh, us having not completely explored that area to where it's like, um, assuming under like a very strong, uh, like we, we have a lot of reasons to believe that they would be going back to that world in one way, shape or form. Uh, it's to our benefit that they didn't show us everything so that we can have more to see and explore from that land the second time around. Yeah. I really hope that the sequel is set almost exclusively in the Sonic world that for some reason, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but there's a very good indication that something is going to happen that will require Sonic to go back to that world. Yep. <laughs> uh, there are a good number of spoilers, so try to see this movie before uh, somebody spoils it for you. Yep. Um, it was a fun, good movie. It was very aware of the Sonic culture, so <laughs> if you're a video game nerd or a comic book nerd like we are, and you're aware of the kind of jokes and memes surrounding Sonic the Hedgehog... They were very aware of that, and they put scenes, several scenes in this movie that kind of like related to the real world jokes about Sonic, and yeah. it, it worked really well. There's some kind of, I won't spoil it, but there's some kind of trolling of uh, <laughs> Nintendo brands in there as well, which is always good bit. fun. Just reigniting the embers of that <laughs> that 90s battle between the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Ooh. Uh, very clever. Very it, cool. I yeah. You know, it, Sonic was a fun character. I didn't find him cringeworthy. Like, uh, that's what I was afraid of, of just being cringeworthy the whole time. Yeah. It's actually pretty fun. Um the the main uh, human character is very fun and kind of heartwarming you know again nothing to write home about but very fun delightful worked well especially when you know he was working on green screens that whole time uh jim carrey great he was perfect i i didn't think that he, this was going to be good because i he, obviously he's a skinny guy he doesn't <laughs> look like dr robotnik uh, right but his legs i guess Robotnik's got some scrawny little legs, <laughs> little chicken legs. Um, but by the end of the movie, I was like, uh, absolutely 100%. I need this in my life. Uh, there are some secret endings, so make sure you stick through the the intro credits and everything at the end. Um, oh, yeah. Because there is some delightful, nostalgic things. You know, maybe I'm looking at this through rose-colored glasses because I love Sonic the Hedgehog. I was a Sega kid growing up. Um I have really fond memories playing with my sister Heather, where she would play as Sonic and I would play as Tails because Tails was my favorite character, you know. And I didn't really care who was, you know, taking control of the game because I just wanted to play as Tails, you know. Yeah. So uh, really great memories. Uh, really made me feel good. Really solid movie. Really solid kids movie with some, you know, some jokes in there that any anybody can appreciate. Really liked it. I I will say that I have heard some things uh, negative about this movie, but not to the point where it's like, oh, like this is what makes this movie terrible. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. There's like there's I've nothing that's some, like, like a massive plot hole or anything. It's all just like goofy kid yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, it was a little campy here. It was a little like, oh, that's silly. Okay, kid yeah. humor. Not a big deal. Um, the thing that I remember seeing 
like in people reviewing this movie is that they were saying that oh it's like yeah okay so he he's super fast so they're just doing a bunch of things that they already did with quicksilver from yeah the, there's from a quicksilver scene for yeah. sure yeah. which i mean sure but that was the best fine. part of that movie yeah, so why not yeah <laughs> like if by all means continue if any movie is going to do anything remotely quicksilver-esque it would be the Sonic movie. And because we're talking about the the Fox X Men version, right, of Quicksilver, right. But yeah, there's basically slow mo scenes that are like that. The slow mo scenes with Quicksilver and the that was it. No, it wasn't one. Which one was it? Because uh, he was in two of them. Uh, it Days wasn't of, Apocalypse. Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah Days yeah, of Future right. Past yep. is the the one where you got to see him like run he was, up a wall. He's the best around. part of that movie. Uh, so good. He, he's the best, and he's literally he's here and then he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great movie. Uh, especially if you got kids, take them to see it. Um, would you say we're seeing in theaters? I would say so. I would say I I would stress the need to watch this in theaters primarily. Yeah, is like I I am going to buy this movie. Like yeah. I like it that much. Yeah, it uh, made me very happy. Uh, yes. Now, it, when you're looking at this budget too, you got to think that budget probably doubled, if not more, because they had to redo all of the animation and everything. Because yeah. that horrendous version of Sonic that was in the <laughs> initial trailers and everything, and everybody freaked out and went, "This is gonna fucking be terrible." And right. they were probably right. <laughs> so yeah. it's a good thing that the audience spoke up. And an even better thing that the creators listened yeah. <laughs> and said, you're totally right. We screwed this up. Give us a chance to fix it. If we, you allow us to fix it, we will give you a good product. And they did. They delivered. And the fans are clearly supporting them because of it. I I, I probably can't. wouldn't have bothered to see this in theaters if it had just come out as is. But oh, because yeah. of what happened, out of principle, I made sure to, that I saw it the first week. Oh, yeah. And I was happy I did. It was great. Yeah, definitely worth a watch, especially given uh, the fact that this is, I think, one of the either the first or one of the very few cases of having a trailer come out then listening to fan responses and then actually making changes to the movie accordingly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something. Now, you know, you don't want that to be too much of a back and forth with the audience because, you know, let's face it, some outrage is probably not warranted sometimes. Right. But this was an, a case where it was obviously just not going to work. It was going to tank. There was nobody was going to see this fucking horrifying alien <laughs> thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That that I think is the biggest basis for an argument for having producers listen to fans. Like when it comes to something like the design of a character, like yeah. it And you know that studio had to bust their ass to fuck to fix oh. that all. I think the oh, studio yeah. closed down, if I'm not wrong, after uh, they fixed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, that's kind of sad, but I, I hope those guys get a job back because they, they worked their tails off, obviously, and this is clearly a passion project, you know? Yeah, uh, now, given that they had to close down and they're probably looking for work elsewhere, this still, 
I think this still counts as something that should look positive in their resume because yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, we had and such a, a tight timetable too. Oh just, yeah, and they made it as good as they could, and I, I mean, you know, it does it hold up to modern CG standards for Sonic specifically? Maybe not. You know, it probably lacked a little bit of polish, but it looked pretty darn good. You know, it, yeah, it was more than passable. It, you know, it it was way more than passable. It was good enough to where like the quills. Mm-hmm. Like the CG quills, I believed. Yeah, it was uh, cool. Like that, that is literally all you need. It's like it, if you make it and design it enough to where I can believe that. If you fix it, they will come. They came. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go see it if you got kids. Especially take them to it. Yes, um, I, please I'm, support I, this movie. I'm probably gonna buy it on Blu-ray with all my other favorite movies. Oh yeah. So. Definitely really, worth it. Really happy. Heart <laughs> warms my heart as a Sega kid. You know, it makes me feel good. Also, I think that movie grossed more than any other video game movie, which I'm not surprised by. It was a good movie. Yeah, and popular character, and they finally capitalized on it. <laughs> you know, finally. And I think if if I'm if the rumors are true, it's possible that there might be other Sega properties coming to the screen. Uh, do, do we need the other ones? I mean, okay, I guess, you, you gotta at you least got Earthworm Jim. Uh, okay, <laughs> that wasn't Sega. No, okay. No. Streets of Rage, though. Yeah, but <laughs> do we need it? <laughs> comic I'll, Zone. I get, I, uh, look, uh, how, how dare you? I'm not saying they're that, bad games. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't think they'll be a good movie. Comic Zone would be amazing. Toe Jam Earl. <laughs> I don't. If they can do Sonic, they can. They, come on, that, that is. <laughs> come a, on, that is a an. an alien like practical effects designer and a hip-hop head's wet dream <laughs> come on pass hip-hop aliens hard pass come on hip-hop no, aliens no thank you okay okay <laughs> <laughs> give me streets of rage though like give, uh, give me those uh fighting ex-cops on the streets <laughs> <laughs> oh well next up on the news uh the coronavirus has affected a lot of industries, and it is beginning to affect oh. the comic book industry. Uh, Dark Horse Comics has pulled out of the Emerald City Comic Con, which is hosted in Seattle, because of concerns about the coronavirus. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to tell anybody, because everybody knows coronavirus has been spreading and been a problem, and obviously has led to many deaths. Um, Percentage-wise, not the deadliest thing in the world, but, you know, uh, 2% of a billion people is still a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, definitely understand the concern. You know, I totally get the precautions. And let's face it, these conventions are typically pretty gross to begin with. Uh, so <laughs> even if yeah. you don't get coronavirus, uh, you're probably going to get something else Yeah. Uh, before the week is through or the weekend is through. So I uh, totally understand it, but definitely a bummer for the fans um, and definitely will affect you know, marketing, I'm sure, for Dark Horse Comics, as Emerald City Comic Con is one of the bigger ones. So, 
not uh, obviously, you know, San Diego Comic-Con, but uh, still a big one. Yeah. Next up on the news, it is official that Sean Gordon Murphy is the best thing that DC Comics has right now, and he is going to be uh, overseeing a White Knight imprint uh, featuring books with Nightwing, Batgirl, and more from the uh, Batman White Knight universe that he has created and done very well with. Uh, I read the first uh, run of the Batman Dar- <coughs> sorry, Batman White Knight. Uh, really loved it. It was our book of the year that year. I think it was two years ago now. He's been doing the sequel to that, uh, Curse of the White Knight, I believe. Is that what it's called? It is. Uh, I haven't gotten to it yet because I've been busy with a lot of other stuff and other, other books. But, boy, am I excited to read that. And I, I've heard it's pretty good. What do you think? Oh, no, it's wavering. Uh, yeah. Do I want to say it? I got to say it. Um, <clears throat> don't spoil anything for me. So I'm going to read it. I need to develop my own opinion. Um, let's just say... Um, there is, I, I mean, uh, given how socially conscious uh, this version or this version of storytelling for Batman immediately was in Batman White Knight, yeah, in Curse of the White Knight, uh, they do go a bit further in that direction, some to the good and some to the... Topical, I think, mm. is one way of putting it. Okay. Um, Sounds like a Frank Miller, you know, y- well, uh, sequel to The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, yeah, the the concept of being philanthropic and what one man's idea of what that would look like, uh, it... Uh, it got explored a little bit further in the latest issue. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No spoilers, no spoilers. I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm just going to say that he there. there's a certain panel that made me think that uh, Sean Gordon Murphy was trying to make Batman into one of the people currently running for president. Hmm. We will see. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, if it makes sense for the story, I'm all about it. it I trust Sean Gordon Murphy. I've, I haven't had reason to doubt him before. Uh, okay. We'll see I, what happens. I, I really want you to read Curse of White Knight because <laughs> I really need to <laughs> know where you fall on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll get to it soon. I, I've got questions. <laughs> <laughs> I've got questions for you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I'm definitely enthused to see where Sean Gordon Murphy goes with these individual books. Oh, yeah. I'm, regardless of what happens in White Knight, I really want him to handle Nightwing. I would agree almost 100%. Except uh, he made okay, him the, the second whole- child, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my How God. dare you take his throne? <laughs> he is the first, <laughs> the best. How dare you make him drop to second fiddle, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Why does everybody at DC want to shit on Nightwing's legacy? 
If you're new to the show, Nightwing is my favorite character. And I get angry because they try to murder him all the time, and they ruin his life all the time, and they screw up his character all the time. It's not that hard. Leave him alone. Leave Nightwing alone. But other than that, I actually like it a lot. I like his, <laughs> I like his character. I really like his design. I think his design is awesome. Yeah, in the, in the Sean Gordon Murphy books. Uh, aside from that one grape, that one grape, yeah. that one grape, yeah, it, like, it's important to me. <laughs> it matters to me. <laughs> uh, second banana. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, that's my only complaint. But yeah. You know. Minor spoiler for the White Knight books, but he yeah. is—he is the second. Yeah, I—I I mean, uh, look, we had to come up with something to do with this whole. God, why didn't the animated series have Jason Todd? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up on the news: Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, has enlisted Boss Logic, a very popular uh, comic cover artist and graphic designer, uh, to welcome Spawn to the fight, quote-unquote, from Collier Jennings on CBR.com. Um, so uh, Spawn will be premiering in the game on March 11th. So if you are playing the newest Mortal Kombat game, look forward to that. Uh you know what was really shitty? Not until you tell me. The new Mortal Kombat game isn't at Evo. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. They got left out of Evo. How? I don't know. <laughs> so What the fuck? <laughs> I look, Emery and I are both big Mortal Kombat and Injustice fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Obviously yeah, those games we, are great. I, I owned a Sega Genesis, did you? Oh yeah. So obviously we love Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Counterculture and all that. Oh, of course. Uh but uh I was not enthused about the way they're framing this game where it seems to be less combo heavy and more about spamming moves that will do the thing you're trying to do, whether force them in a corner or you know, zone them to death or whatever the case is. Yeah, I haven't played it. You know, I might be just assuming, but all of the promotion stuff, all of the playthroughs and tournaments I've watched, all look like what I think it is, and that kind of bums me out because I love the combos. I love mastering the different approaches to work in a combo or a change up or whatever the case is. I don't like playing the back and forth wiggle game and you know trying to avoid the spams and whatever else you know. Uh, I also don't like that there's an instant kill button, <laughs> you know, if you're within a certain amount of health range. I think that's just cheap, you know. So there's things about it I really don't like. Um, yeah. Uh, but by by all standards, I've heard that it's really good. So uh, to each their own. But it hasn't been my thing. But it really concerns me that a game this new is not at Evo, especially a game that's this big in the industry. So it makes me wonder if, like, they have bad blood with nether realm or if something happened or if it's not balanced enough or if there's some rule reason i think it is i think spawn might actually be the reason why it's not at evo what yeah uh promotion uh, follow me on this one here Uh uh-oh 
Uh, How deep we going? Like, okay, uh, we're going a little deep here. Um, so, Evo, one of the preeminent fighting game tournaments that like everyone and anyone knows at least a little something about. Thank you, Daigo, and that fucking impossible parry. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I've noticed in terms of games that uh, get put into Evo is that there is a certain meta for each one of these games that, uh, well, if you're following these games and the more into these games you get, the more there's a certain meta, like there are certain characters that people don't play. There are certain moves that people don't do, uh, following frames for certain games. If like the, if there's like a frame game that, that's sure. there. Yeah, and Mortal Which, Kombat uh, is Mortal a game Kombat that very is. much relies on frames. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely embraced knowing, that as a thing. Knowing how many frames are between each move and the transitions and the frame right. penalty and all that stuff. Uh, with a brand new hot character. Hot. Hot. Uh, Straight uh, out br- of hell. Yeah, you goddamn right. Uh, brand new hot character coming out. Uh, I think this is a character that has the potential to completely question or challenge the current meta in terms of the characters most commonly used, characters that may or may not be balanced, uh, and what have you. And I would go as far as to say... I think he might be broken. That uh, Spawn... Spawn only makes sense if he comes out completely busted. But there's a there's a super easy fix to that. Just you can't use Spawn. <laughs> he's too new. He's not balanced. You can't use Spawn. It's a, it's a super easy fix. I mean, for this tournament, you cannot use Spawn. Done. That that would be one way of addressing it. So the idea of having this character. Very new character. The character that we really want to have as a... Like, he's the latest character. He's going to be kind of a selling point for, you know, an ever-growing audience. Yeah. He looks really fucking cool. He's probably going to be busted, so we, we got to... In order to not really... Um, in order to not completely fuck over an entire tournament with this new busted character and all of the, you know, players who have gotten <clears throat> used to certain characters, we're 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 just we're going to keep it out. That yeah. that's my theory. Yeah, you know, maybe, but I feel like guys like Martian Manhunter for the original Injustice came out similar fashion and kind of broke the game. Yeah. And people just didn't use them. Like that was the solution. Don't use him, you know, until he's fixed. Mm. But, uh, you know, teach their own. I just think it's weird that, you know, old games and games like Blaze Blue and, you know, <laughs> the, the stuff is getting, you know, sponsored and shown on the show floor and probably attracting like 40,000 viewers, you know, yeah. per match, you know, if that, you know, if it's on the big ones, you know. I just feel like there's something wrong there. Like there must be some kind of Evo Nether Realm relationship issue going on. 
I don't know it what it probably is. Probably is, uh, and that kind of bums me out because that's like part of the the fighting culture that I embrace the most is like the tournament scene and watching the Evo tournaments. They're always yeah. super cool, super fun. You get a lot of ideas watching these these top tier uh, players kind of work up their own changeups and combos and corner traps and all sorts of stuff. It's just, so kind of a bummer as a fighting gamer myself. Uh, yeah even, even though i'm not wild about the game itself you know this <laughs> particular one you know bums me out that mortal Kombat won't be there just feels wrong feels wrong it does feel wrong next up on the news uh you may or may not have heard already but uh the head of <coughs> dc creative is out dan didio who has been kind of leading the comic side of the business for over five years, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, has departed from the company under very suspicious anonymous circumstances that neither he nor the company will talk about. Um, there's a lot of rumors going around that there was kind of some issues based on this um, 5G reboot that they were apparently planning. Um guess they were going to reboot the universe again mm. and how it would interfere with Scott Snyder's plans with his post DC um, Dark Knight's metal universe, which is, you know, in, uh, an issue in and of itself, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it sounded like for one reason or another, um, they just, something wasn't working and he got fired. Um, there have been some things that I've had gripes about in the DC comics, but overall, I think DC comics since the new 52 reboot has been pretty solid. Like, you know, of course there's books and issues and things I didn't like, but I mean, when you're pumping out as much content as they are, it's hard not to screw up a few times or put out some mediocre content once in a while. Um, I didn't agree with the the rebirth concept but i got why they did it you know it was basically fans you know exclaiming that they needed superman in his red underpants you know (laughs) that they just weren't gonna abide by superman having pants um i think there was uh in terms of character design, there have been like a number of characters from like a number of uh like a vocal minority yeah. that uh, people were saying, like these were the designs that we liked, and mm-hmm. these new designs they 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 just weren't up to snuff. And yeah. uh, well, could you please uh, do something in the way of fixing it, getting it back, or coming up with something that feels a bit more in line with what we think Superman is? Yeah, and- or Nightwing, or like green lantern or what have you yeah and i get it but if you look at the numbers like new 52 sold gangbusters they were making you know hand over fist money Mm. with the new 52 relaunch and all the new books and new issues and their their kind of strategy with variant covers where they had like a theme variant cover every month you know some sold well some didn't but it was cool that they took the chance and gave physical collectors an opportunity to get some really cool variants and give a lot of cover artists a lot of work you know that's kind of how i re- came across step and sajic in the first place as he made some awesome variant covers and i was like man i'm gonna dig into this guy he's got some awesome drawings here oh yeah 
awesome artwork. So I think Dan Didio did a great job. You know, as good as you can do with the people <laughs> that he has to work with. Yeah. Uh, and, and the executive staff outside of creative. Um, obviously, there's, you know, a lot of greats working alongside him. Scott Snyder, you know, Sean Gordon Murphy. In recent years, you obviously have Jim Lee kind of leading the ship now, who is also uh, very important to the creative side. We'll see what happens, but, um, you know, I don't think you can really begrudge him too much. You know, like I said, there's stuff that I didn't like, but it wasn't necessarily coming from him. It was more coming from Jeff Johns. It was more coming from Scott Snyder. So, yeah. Um, well, when it comes to DiDio's record, uh, no matter what misstep you will remember him for, there is one huge event years and years ago. That mm. is, I think I know what you're going to say. Is literally inexorably tied to this man's name, and it's fifty-two. Yeah. So, um, great book. Yes. Great yeah. legacy. Great legacy. Rebooted it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. I actually thought it was going to be something different, but right. I thought you were going to talk about relocating to L.A. Oh. Which, to me, is like the biggest stake through the heart moment of all. That See, I was going positive, and then <laughs> you, you had to bring up like this fucking, <laughs> like this big-ass stain on his record. Well, you were being so negative earlier, I had to counterbalance you with a little <laughs> negativity of my own. <laughs> uh, okay, no. yeah, I'll give you that. Dan Didio <laughs> has a great legacy, and I, I hope people aren't being hard on him because he really did a lot of wonderful work and led DC through... Very turbulent, but very cool and impressive times. You know, yeah. obviously the black label started under him. Yeah, know, great things um, all around. Was obviously great at coordinating, bringing in great talent, and keeping that great talent. So, Which, given the library of characters that they have under their label, that is a near herculean feet yeah. trying to get any kind of coordination across the company yeah so good on him you know my one gripe and i always have one one more thing one thing uh is that he was part of the decision to relocate to la yep <laughs> and i don't know how much of that he had control over probably not a lot but who knows um he he obviously had to have had a say in the matter oh yeah but i think it was a huge mistake to move the creative side to la because the heart of comic books is new york city i'm, I'm sorry it just is and now marvel's pretty much located in the la region yeah um this is an images effort. on the west coast at, up in washington i believe yeah um and yacht dc being the last ones to kind of depart from new york city which really bums me out because i feel like new york city in and of itself is such a great source of stories and ideas and creativity whereas i feel like la is so artificial yeah as a, and it's just a city of transplants that are just i don't know I yeah, just, I just don't think it's the best place for creativity and for a motivated artistic workforce. You it, know, it's There's too many distractions. There's too many things that are just not right. You know, not like anywhere else. You know, it's unique. 
I, I'll give LA that, but it's just so artificial and so detached from the rest of normal society because of the environment. Oh, it definitely is. You know? uh, I think the the thing that's always going to chap the ass of literally every comic book fan that uh, grew up with comics uh, up until that point uh, is going to be not just the effect that it's having on the writing, which it most undoubtedly is, yeah. but uh, how nakedly apparent of a decision it was on literally both companies to basically move closer to their allotted movie studios. To Hollywood, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, as a business decision, I kind of get it, but it really just kind of, from a creator, creative standpoint, from a fan standpoint, just kind of heartbreaking. It is. Their, their studios in New York City were just so iconic, and now they're just empty, you know? Yeah. I, um, I, I would say that... Uh, Actually, n- no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to mention like how much it probably cost them to continually pay for the space that they were using, but... is not going to be much y- better. Y- no, not you even know? a little. So I, uh, I assume the yeah. cost factor is not the, it, the main thing that caused that. Yeah, no, it it's definitely in just about every way, shape, or form a uh, locality issue. Yeah. Like how... How close, how centralized they are, and that, and I think that's a a move that uh, Disney essentially forced Marvel to make in order yeah. to like centralize everything over in California. Yeah, the Disney one, the Marvel one, I understood because Disney is this giant media conglomerate, and they want to make things as efficient and easy as possible. I get it. Yeah, for DC, they're owned by WB. You know, maybe it was a similar situation, but I kind of suspect it wasn't. I think it was more that, you know, the producers yeah. just wanted to be able to go and feed their giant spider ideas <laughs> directly to the creative end. Uh, giant spider idea. <laughs> ha- have you heard that Kevin Smith story? No. <laughs> so when they were working on, uh, w- was it the return of Superman or whatever, starring Nicolas Cage? <laughs> that never came to be. Uh Apparently, one of the producers at WB and DC approached him and told him he had this great idea for this giant spider that Superman would have to fight. And at the end of the movie, he would have to rumble with this giant spider, and that's going to be the big climatic conclusion. And <laughs> Kevin Smith apparently said, yeah, I'll give it some thought, but I don't think so. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I'm probably telling, I'm butchering the story, I'm sure. But then later, he saw Wild Wild West. And guess was that the, that was produced by the same producer. And guess what was at the end of that movie? <laughs> A giant metal spider. A giant metal spider. So uh, I really love that story. Uh, I hope it's true. Because <laughs> it sounds like the coke-filled... <laughs> You know, nonsense that I expect out of the, you know, DC slash WB production staff. Okay, to be fair, I expect something that bonkers out of anything with Nicolas Cage attached. (laughs) (laughs) Not the spiders! uh! (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so... 
you know, take that as you will. <laughs> but it's a good story nonetheless. Mm. So, I wish the fa- the best for Dan Didio. I hope it wasn't a firing. It sounds like it was a firing or a laying off of some sort, but I hope it was amicable. I hope it was good, and I hope he does something great in the future and takes his time to enjoy his time off and enjoy his life a little bit. Uh, hopefully, his next uh, endeavor will be just as successful and fun to follow. Yeah. So, it was like, the, the, I mean... Good luck to you, Dan. Uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, hell, I'm no go over damage or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, let's get into our latest comic book releases coming to you from your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. First up on the releases, we got Dynamite. Now, Dynamite, uh, for those of you unfamiliar, we get all of our newest releases listed from freshcomics.us which is an excellent resource go check it out if you want to see what the newest comic books are they have the previous week the current week and the next week they used to have a way that was archived where you could see like older older weeks uh, which is really useful for me when we were running late on editing an episode but unfortunately it's not really there anymore but I I have talked to the the creator of the site and he, he actually was really good about replying to me and letting me know what was going on uh, really great website, really great uh, person running it. Definitely use it. It's a great resource. Um, again, first up for the uh, newest issues is Dynamite. Now, it's not because they have a ton of new titles. It's because they have 80 issues, including new titles, which is like three or four, and variants. Good God. And you know Dynamite Entertainment, they love their boob variants. They love their naked, exploitative uh, woman variants, which, you know, we're not kink-shaming here. And let's face it, I buy one or two. I did read Sunstone, after all, by Stepan Sajic. Yep. Uh, So, you know, I'm guilty. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, man, they are unabashed about it. Yep. Uh, No shame in their game. None at all. Um, So, first up, we got uh, Clash of Kings, number one. We got Chastity, number four. We have Death to the Army of Darkness, number one. We have Deja Thoris with some variant covers, Ooh. number one. Saucy. It's very saucy. Ooh. The most saucy. Oh. Ooh, don't show your kids. <laughs> uh, we have James Bond, number four variants. We got uh, some Kiss Zombies, number four variants. It's so hard to tell what's actually coming out and what's just an additional variant to a previous week. Yeah. Because they have so many variants coming out. There's Red Sonia number 14 with several variants. It looks like there's several <laughs> number 13 variants as well. Uh, holy cow. Look how many there are. If there's you are looking so- at the YouTube channel, there's literally like 30 or 40 variants for Red Sonia alone. They really like Red Sonia. I mean, we all do, but geez. Hot. Hot. Uh, next up, we have Ra- Red Sonia and Vampirella meet Betty and Veronica. <laughs> like, Double, triple hot. Got to wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. Um, but, you know, it is the age of crossovers. Uh, we have Red Sonia. Mm. I'm sorry, that's number eight, if I didn't mention that earlier. Uh, we have Red Sonia, Age of Chaos, number two. We have Vampirella, number one. Looks like another reboot. Uh, I'm sorry, those are just variants for the number the, one. Uh, yeah, that's more. The more actual variants. book is Vampirella number eight. Uh, we have Vampirella cross Red Sonia number four. 
We have Vengeance of Vampirella, number six. Okay, maybe I didn't give it enough credit. There are quite a few new titles, in addition to all the booty variants. <laughs> Holy shit, there's a lot of booty variants. Oh, my God, them uh, cheeks. <laughs> dynamite, jeez. <laughs> Calm down. So thirsty. <laughs> and Vengeance of Vampirella, number six, is the last one for Dynamite. Holy cow, there's a lot of issues. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of booty variants, we got Black Cat. <laughs> <laughs> number 10 okay I'm gonna be in my bunk for a while <laughs> wow uh, we have Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number 7 Wakanda for sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we have Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown number 2 so Conan is back with Marvel now we have Daredevil number 19 we have Dark Agnes I think that's how you Ooh. pronounce it Dark Agnes number 2 Dark Agnes uh, looks interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. We have Doctor Doom, number six. We have Doctor Strange, number four. We got Excalibur, number eight. We got Iron Man 2020, number three. We have Marauders, number nine. We have Marvel, number one, uh, which must be some compilation book. Uh, we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 16. We have Rescue 2020, number one. Uh, rescue being uh, Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts from the Iron Man stories. That was uh, played by <coughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Ew. <laughs> Good actress, goop. but ew. Goop. Really? Let me get that goop. Scamming people unabashedly. We get have that uh, bee stings. Yeah. Get the egg up your vagina. <laughs> Jeez. I like her as an actress, and I like her character of Pepper Potts. I do not like her. Um, next up, we have S Savage Avengers number 11. Uh, we have a new book. Really cool looking cover. Spoiler alert, maybe? Mm. Uh, Spider-Man Noir number one. Not going to get me, copper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah see? Going to go down to the speakeasy. <laughs> I don't use webbing. I use a gun. <laughs> yeah. My webbing is uh, kind of a mess. <laughs> um, next up, we have Spider-Verse number six. We have some variants we got strange academy number one which kind of looks cool yeah i could be into it we um, could we could do with more books about going to school they did have a kind of supernatural witchcraft wizardry school book and the dc universe i think early last year it was pretty good it's a kind of fun almost teen comedy type of book Everyone wants a Hogwarts. Uh, we have Strike Force, number seven. Ooh. We have Swordmaster, number nine. We have The Magnificent Miss Marvel, number 13. And that wraps up Marvel. From DC Comics, we have Batman, number 90. We have Daphne Byrne, number three. Intriguing. Hmm. We have Harley Quinn, number 71. A lot of Harley Quinn on this episode today. Yep. There's a lot of Harley Quinn out there. Much like pop culture. Yep. Uh, we have Justice League, number 42. We have Justice League Odyssey, number 19. Ooh. We have Lois Lane, number 9, which I believe is a Black Label book. So I'll have to dig into that one. We have Strange Adventures, number 1. We have Superman Giant, number two. Superman Villains, number one. The Dreaming, number 19. 
which is one of the Sandman books. You got the Flash number seven fifty, which you know numbering. Do we need it to be at seven fifty? Probably not. Mm. I know that people want the original numbering, but it's so confusing for new fans. Yeah. And then we have Gen Lock number five, which has the Rooster Teeth logo on it. So I wonder if this is produced by Rooster Teeth. I'll have to uh, look into that. Yeah. Uh, does Rooster Teeth have a line under DC? I've been under a rock for a few months, so, you know, forget me if uh, I didn't know this. Next up from IDW Publishing, we have Ghostbusters Year One, number two. That's confusing. Uh, we have Pandemica, number four. We have Ragnarok, The Breaking of Helheim, number four. Oh. We have Sonic the Hedgehog, number 26. Hey. Appropriate. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, number 22. We have The Crow. Is it Leth? Lethy? Leth? Leth? I don't know how to pronounce that. Number one. Ah, oh, Jesus. One of them has him, like, drilling into his nose. He does what he wants. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what he wants is to drill into his face. Uh, we have The Transformers, Galaxies, number five. With some interesting covers there. And uh, Wellington, number three, will wrap us up. Uh, next up from Image Comics, we have Birthright, number 42. We have Farmhand, number 14. We have Mercy, number one. We have Outer Darkness, Chew, number one. We have The Marked, number five, and we have Unearth, number six. Good job, Image. Keep doing what you're doing. We love you. Keep doing what you're doing. That's right. I need to check out these new books, though. I'm so out of touch with the Image books. All the ones I was reading have already ended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next up from Boom Studios, my favorite uh, company to pronounce. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 13. We have... So many second printings. We have King of Nowhere, number one. We have The Magicians, number five. So that's come back. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Critical Role, Vol Machina Origins, Series 2, number six. Vox Machina. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that title (laughs) uh, because the name is stupid. It's there is a increasingly more well known Twitch stream of a bunch of voice actors that are playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they've been playing this game for so fucking long that a company picked up their story. That's and, what this is? <laughs> and committed it to a comic book. <laughs> Fucking nerds. <laughs> I'm looking at you when I say that, Emery. <laughs> Look, as a DM, I would never saddle someone with trying to illustrate my shenanigans. Because <laughs> that, that's, that's bonkers, that's nuts, and that is... While it's probably a gold mine of fiction to try to, you know... Commit to the page. That is, that is never gonna be finished. <laughs> <laughs> okay, D and D nerds, now's your chance. 
Yep. Go the, support like, your people. Yeah, the, the support this comic if you want this thing to live on. Uh, next up, we have Crone, number five. We have Kill Whitney Donovan, number four. Um, wow. We have The Butcher of Paris, number four. Yeah, that uh, Kill Whitney Donovan has a pretty striking cover, doesn't it? Yeah, oh my God. It's pretty cool. Uh, next up from Titan Books, we have Doctor Who, The 13th Doctor, season two, number three. Because, you know, why not? Yeah, sure. We, we have Shades of Magic, The Rebel Army, number four. And we have Sherlock, A Scandal, and Belgravia, number four. Apologize if I butchered that, assuming it's a real place. Um, next up from Archie Comics, we got Vampironica with these crossovers again. Hmm. New Blood, number three. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> from Oni Press, we have Dryad, number one. And from Aftershock Comics, we have Join the Future, number one. From Vault Comics, we have Money Shot. Ooh, saucy. Number five. <laughs> and... More sauce than I was expecting. <laughs> and that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. And now, for the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of comic cover of the week. <gasps> Our cover of the week award this week, spoilers earlier, goes to Spider-Man Noir from Marvel Comics. (laughs) This cover done by Dave Raposa. Uh, This cover is awesome. It's very much kind of in the the vein of the kind of 1940s, 1950s film covers. Very cool. Very, obviously, noir. you have your kind of bombshell singer there in the middle. You have your kind of military aesthetic because everything was kind of obsessed with, you know, the wars, the great wars that had occurred, uh, depending on which era this is set in. Um, just really cool aesthetic, really nice blend of colors, um, you know, for a comic that has a lot of browns and blacks and grays. This seems very vibrant for some reason. I don't know if it's how he manipulated the colors uh, or his colors uh, manipulated the cover colors, but uh, this comic cover is excellent. I really love it. Uh, It's definitely one I'm going to be buying and putting on the shelf. I do wish that Marvel wouldn't put the damn barcode on the front of the cover, but you know, gripes. I have them. Yep. Spider-Man of yesteryear on display. Uh, the image itself is so crisp. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, it definitely looks like uh, this is. Uh, this definitely looks like it's taking place during World War II, and I, I think between the uh, aviator all the way in the front of the image and what looks like. Those dang Nazis down at the bottom with that uh, weird energy thing going on. I'm assuming that's uh, this weird version of Hydra. At least that's what I want to believe. Um, I really want to pick up this book, and it's been a while since I've been interested in anything Spider-Man related. Yeah, oh my god, if anyone had told me when I was a little kid that 
you know, at some point within the next couple of decades, not uh, next couple of decades, it, like not only is there going to be a movie about multiple different Spider-Mans that actually, you know, makes it to theaters, but one of them is going to be from the 40s and he's going to be like completely bedecked out in black and wear a fucking fedora on his head on top of his mask. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have believed you. It's very and, campy. Yeah, but it's a, fun. As it's a kid, fun. I would never have believed that that was a thing, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, Spider-Man Noir number one. Uh, congratulations to Dave Raposa. We will see if uh, Margaret Stoll wrote a story as compelling as the artwork on the outside, probably in the near weeks, if not next week. Please. And finally, our variant cover of the week goes to Chastity. Number four, the Node Virgin cover. So, uh, assuming I'm pronouncing that right, it's not Nodet. I'm assuming it's Noday. Uh, Catherine Noday has illustrated a really, really um, very tightly drawn, very um, kind of stark popping illustration here with great color contrast, great lighting contrast, um, just outstanding artwork, really pops. It caught my eye immediately when we were scrolling through the lists and looking at what comic covers had come out this week. Um, just immediately caught my eye and I knew I had to put it on the, on the award this week. There were a lot of very nice variants. Yeah. Um, legitimately um the funny thing this being from dynamite which is probably the (laughs) the smuttiest of the the group that we actually read out uh there's a few groups that we don't read out simply because they're so focused on just being smutty it's not really a a factor but dynamite does have some legit books so um you know not that if you're into that thing it's not legit but it's it's one thing to just be blatantly showing nudity for no reason. Right. It's another thing to be trying to capitalize on it while trying to tell a story. So yeah. Um, but this this one not smutty at all. Actually, it's actually a really cool, uh, character focused drawing. Um, a lot of great detail. You can see the cut on her cheek, the effect of the rain running down her hair, down her head. Uh, down her chin um it's just outstanding and you know me if you've been watching the show for a while i am a sucker for illustrations of anything in the rain (laughs) (laughs) because it's so cool i love that effect of the water running you know the illusion of this 2d image having the water running down their face and down their hair and down the sword down their hands and the effect that it's having on the, the person's face or physique or whatever the case is Really love that style of artwork, and this is top-notch. Really love it. You know, every artwork you think you can... Probably, if you looked close enough, you could find something to nitpick on. This one, I can't even find something to nitpick on. Like, it's outstanding. Catherine O'Day, you did an an awesome, wonderful job. I really applaud your work on this cover. I love that it's a virgin cover. I love virgin covers <laughs> because there's no labels. There's no nonsense detracting from the great artwork. Uh, and they look great when they hang on your wall. Why aren't virgin covers more of a thing? I don't know, man. This is I really don't. 
This is the kind of thing where if I just saw amazing artwork, I would probably be way more, um, what's the phrase? Uh, I would be way more open, I guess is the phrase, the, the word that I'm looking for, to just picking up a new book. Yeah. Like if a book... It definitely adds value. Yeah. I, I mean, we've been caught... You know, several times where we gave the award of the cover of the week to a book. Obviously, it hadn't come out yet, so we hadn't seen the physical copy. Yeah. And after they added the freaking barcodes and the logos and the advertisements and the the speech bubbles for no reason, once they added all that stuff, you couldn't fucking see the artwork. And it it totally ruined the cover and was not what was represented on the promotional materials. So... Really love this. Hope it's more of a trend in the future. I know they're, you know, obviously it's very expensive because it's a very limited cover, but so be it. Yeah, this is the the kind of cover that I think it's very rare to see artwork so good in comic book form to the point where, like, even the publishers are thinking it would be a crime to cover any of this. Yeah. So... Uh, again, big kudos to Catherine O'Day. You made an an awesome comic cover. You know, it's a number four, so maybe we can catch up to that. It might be a few weeks before we do. Um, but we will see if Leah Williams has a story as compelling on the inside as the cover on the outside. And again, uh, congratulations to the cover of the week, uh, done by Dave Raposa. Uh, we will see if Margaret Stoll has a story as compelling as the cover as well. All right. Well, this has been a particularly long return uh, episode. Uh, our topic of the show was really just introducing the concept of doing our uh, comic book movie master list. Again, we had to do it twice <laughs> because we <laughs> forgot to hit record on the, the video camera. Um, and we could have just left that part out of the video, but we really didn't want to open with a big blank you know, right. <laughs> opening on the, the podcasts. Um, so uh, I apologize if we missed anything or forgot anything or didn't do our traditional spiels quite as well as we normally do. But we are back. Should be weekly. Regular schedules, regular editing uh, sh shouldn't be a problem. You should be seeing everything popping up very regularly now. Um, uh, the show hit the books, uh, should be the most consistent hit the mats. We're still trying to work out, uh, some factors. Uh, Dan's wrestling tastes have evolved <laughs> and he hasn't been watching WWE in quite a while. Um, uh, is he on that, uh, AEW? Well, no, he's actually kind of birthed into the, the top tier of markdom, which is New Japan. Oh. Uh, where, well, he's a stardom mark, but of course, you know, New Japan is the second best if you don't have the the Joshi Warriors or whatever. Um, the Joshi or the Warriors. Gaijin. Um, <laughs> but uh, tastes have evolved. I, I, just because wrestling is such a time sink, you know, Raw is a three hour show. Who, uh, Smackdown, which I am not watching under any condition, <laughs> is a two-hour show. NXT is wonderful, but it's an hour long or two hours long, um, an hour long on the Hulu cut. Oh, my God. Uh, that's the only show I don't want to cut. So, Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> it's a time sink. And then if you add AEW, that's another two hours. If you add New Japan, that's another ton of time. Oh, my God. Stardom. 
So you got to kind of pick and choose your battles. And unfortunately, as much as we pretend like we have a ton of time, we don't. We don't. So Only so uh, many hours in the day. Uh, we got to figure out how we're going to handle that show. Uh, we were working on some concepts similar to our master list uh, for the, the comic book movies. Uh, we'll see if that pans out. It's more about who we can get to participate. We've had, you know, friends on uh, for like the WrestleMania prediction show last year. Um, we might do something similar to that in the near future. Here, we'll see. Uh, again, it's just a matter of who wants to participate and who's been keeping up with WWE specifically. Um, but we'll see what happens with that show. If there is a lot of fan support for that, let us know. You know, if there's, you know demand for it maybe we'll put it out there but if not you know we'll we'll see if it just takes on a new uh, evolution uh going forward um there are some other things we have in the the tunnel that we would like to pursue um you know obviously we're nerds about a lot of things um, as you could probably tell from this episode but it's all about time management and how long is it going to edit how long is it going to take for us to record you know this alone you know emery got here what around like eight ish, yeah, eight ish, and now it's midnight, so four hours in <laughs> between setup and recording and everything else, and our mistake, you know, with the half hour that we wasted, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, obviously, it takes a lot of time. So, no topic of the show today is my main point uh, <laughs> because we've already pretty much done it. Um, I do want to thank you for sticking with us. Remember, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you want to help sustain us, it does make things a little bit easier to control and uh, process and put out there into the ether. Um, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so I'll probably get it out to you uh, by Thursday, I would assume. So not too much after uh, the new comic books are released. Um so look forward to that. Um, any other things you need to put out there? Announce, tell the world. Um, no, not yet. Okay. So again, we got a lot of things in the tunnel, so look forward to that. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or the Apple equivalent, uh, Podbean, YouTube, of course. YouTube helps us a lot, so if you can go to our YouTube channel and give us a like or give us a watch or whatever the case, we'd really appreciate it. Um, you can reach out, us, uh, out to us on Twitter at HTBVids. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Reach out to us on YouTube uh, in the comments section there. It's probably uh, an efficient manner. Twitter or um, the YouTube comments are a great way to get in contact with us. If you want to submit some topics of discussion for the show or would like to give some counterpoints or counterarguments or affirming comments or compliments or any, anything of the above, we would love your participation. And um, did I forget anything? I feel like I'm forgetting something. And you can always email us. Hit the books vids at gmail.com. All right. We love you. We will see you next week on the next episode of Hit the Books Podcast. Goodbye. Au revoir. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu.